Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond, and I am one of our co-hosts, and I'm here as always with my lovely Prue Warren. Hello, I'm Prue Warren, here to ask the stupid questions beginning authors are afraid to ask themselves. Prue, today is the day, the day we have been waiting for, for weeks. For weeks. For True. weeks. True. We, okay, listeners. Listen up to this. If you note, if you don't ask, you shall not receive. And I took the leap and I asked. And I, I went onto the Kindlepreneur website, which I know very well because I go there frequently. I read the blog. I get the newsletters. I hear from Kindlepreneur all the time. And I just took the leap and I wrote there on their contact me page. And I said, please, 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 please. Could Dave Chesson come and speak to us? And he said, yes. Sometimes <laughs> dreams do come true. And we have Hi, Dave, Dave with us here today. <laughs> Hi, Hi Dave. Dave. Hey guys. Thanks for having me here. I've we are kind of fangirling out here, your, but <laughs> I do all your publisher rocket tutorials, right? And I know your voice. So like hearing your voice now, it's like, oh my God, I'm talking to a tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> seconds before we began, seconds before we hit the record button, Mary said something to Dave that made me think that I was not looking at the right thing. So <laughs> Dave, what is, what is Atticus? Explain what Atticus is. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, the idea of Atticus came about from my own problems in writing. Okay. You see, for me, my favorite setup used to be that I would use a software called Scrivener to write my books. And then when I was finished writing, I would then export it to Word and I'd email it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with my editor until I finally had the probably the seventh or eighth version on my desktop that says final version uh, or final final or this is the final all caps and then <laughs> when i was finally ready i would go get a formatting program now in the past i used one called judo i've you know i had vellum because luckily i am a mac person back then i i paid multiple times for different formatters but either way though i was having this crazy conveyor belt of all the different things in order to write, edit, and format my book. Now, luckily, I'm a little bit of a techie person. So learning all three different ones wasn't too much of a problem. Although I'll admit, I've done Scrivener for like 13 years. I wrote my master's thesis on it way back in the day when it first came out. I still maybe only know 40% of what it can do. It's an enormous program. It's an enormous program, right. But I can do that. But I've always wanted there to be one program where I could do all three things. I could write in it. I could collaborate with my editors or beta readers or ARC readers. And then when I'm ready inside the same program, I could then format the book with using the same kind of awesome tools that like Bellum has, make something awesome. And then what's even best is I have version control. 
I know every step of the process. And so if, say, for example, heaven forbid, I upload a book that has a spelling error or, you know, or I made a mistake, all I have to do is open up the software, make one little adjustment, hit export again, and then just upload it back up to Amazon and be good to go. The process of doing that without something like this is crazy because things like Judo or you know Vellum don't save all my different versions and heaven forbid where things are. So this scenario is what drove me to want to create Atticus. Now, that being said, Atticus isn't there yet to all those things. It will though. We designed it with all of that in mind. We did the software architecture, as they say. It's like, like imagine you're building uh, a race car. Okay. And you start by getting the chassis, you know, and the engine and, you know, you're preparing, you've got the design element, everything's there. Now you're starting to build the body, put the steering wheel on and the seats. That's kind of where we're at. And so what we've done is we first started off by making sure that our formatting was top notch, that it was equivalent to things like Vellum, but works on all computers. So Mac, Chromebook, PC, uh, Windows, you know, uh, Linux, all Mm -hmm. of that. But Now we also have the writing capability where it's conducive to sit and write. And then when you're done, you can either export it word and send it back and forth to your editor, or you can just, you know, for somebody to log into your account to then do the editing. But then when it's done, you can, you can format it, make it look professional, beautiful, full bleed images, special chapter themes, et cetera. And with a click of a button, be good to go. What we have left is we still have more features that I want to add to our writing capability because there's still more I want to do there. And we also want to add things like outlining and character cards and all of that. And then finally, we will add the collaboration component to make it even better to work with your favorite editor, work with your beta readers, your arc readers, have control on who gets to see it and just kind of move through that process. So right now, I would say it's decent writing, not where I want it to be yet but it is absolutely excellent and easy to use for formatting. And it really takes care of that, but it's going to be the one place where I believe an author can go to and do everything in the end and never have to leave the program and get all those others. So that you're in a nutshell is Atticus. The, you're revolutionizing the entire process. I Just as an author, I was just sick of having to go through all the different things and having all the different files and yeah. It's, it's like, for me, wow. it's, it's a blessing. Cause I got a programming team and I'm like, I'm like, man, I want to be great if, and then boom, that's what we do. Okay. First of all, you're putting me out of business and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, here's the, here's the cool part. Uh, you're going to like it, especially with their collaborator, uh, collaboration capability. When we come out with that, people will be able to bring in a formatter to then do the work. And here's here's what we did. We but designed this. But it's so easy to do. It is. But here's <laughs> here's the th- thing. You any if say for example somebody wants to just open up Atticus and use some of our you know professionally designed pre-formatted templates. You know, honestly, you could click through and within like four minutes or so have a really cool looking book. Yep. That being said, though, is that we've added some things kind of under the hood, uh, some advanced features and capabilities, and we got more coming out as well. That's going to make it where a keen eye, an artist, uh, or somebody who really, really wants to make their books or their series look special, they can go in and do extra work. And for some authors, that's something they might not want to do, Mm -hmm. but they want to write. 
They want to collaborate and then they just want to bring in their favorite formatter to come in and take care of it and do the things that they don't have to think about. And that I think is going to be really clutch, I would say, for a lot of formatters and probably a lot easier too. Uh, it's one of those systems where uh, Meredith, I could say, hey, Meredith, come on in, use, you know, use this, do your magic, make it look awesome like you did last time. And then when you're done, I can remove you from the book. So that, you know, again, controlling who has access to it. And if I need to make a little change in the typo, I don't have to send it back to you to make the change because I had a typo. I just go in there and change the letter and then hit export again and we're good to go. And I think that can really help out both sides. It makes it more effective and efficient for formatters and just easier on the writers too. I have a question. Yeah. The one thing that Vellum doesn't do and Atticus does not do now, but are you thinking of allowing authors to import their own fonts? So we are sort of yay and nay on this. Okay. Now I know why Vellum doesn't do it. And here's, here's the crazy part. It's insanely difficult to be able to take in a font. And here's the other thing too. There are a lot of fonts where it's not just one font you'd have to upload. You'd have to upload like right. seven or eight different versions of it. Okay. Right. So as, as a, and I'm going to get a little techie here because I, I, I love this question. Okay. Let's say somebody bought a font and mm-hmm. they think that that font comes with all the characters. A lot of times they don't, right. you would be surprised. You, you, I don't know, you do like a, um, there it's crazy, but there are a lot of, uh, famous fonts that don't actually have a single quote. They have double quote. They don't have single quote. And so when you go to type it in, you know, you'll see the single quotation, right? But then the moment you export it, it shows like this giant box because there is no actual thing. And so we would have to then design the UI, getting a little techie here, but like there's a lot of crazy components in that, right? We'd have to say, okay, well, if they did this and it's not there, we need to throw something in there. So we'll just do this regular quote here, you know, Mm -hmm. but then it gets even further is that we would also probably need to put up some like sort of like, I don't know, best way to put it, CYA statements that say, hey, look. You know, I hope you paid for whatever copyright that you need for this. Uh, Please note that you need to check that because here's the other crazy part about copyright laws, Uh, font copyright. There is, there's a lot of legalese that allows you, or it's free to use this font, et cetera, except they'll say something like, except for physical products, okay, or something crazy like that. And when they have that, technically books fall in line with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some where it's good to go for books, but what people fail to forget is that if they use that font on the cover and they use that cover in a mug or a business card or a poster or something they sell on a t-shirt, now they've broken it. There's just a lot there. So what we want to do is we'd have to also put up like a CYA that just says, Hey guys, just here's information. Here's a link to something that will teach you about this in case you don't know but we've given you fair warning. Please ex- acknowledge that. You know, it's kind of like, so that the companies don't come after Atticus says, you're create, you're using our font in, you know, illegally to create things. It's like, nope, 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 nope. But so we have to do that, which is a weird thing to say. But the third thing though, is that we, just to be able to automatically say any font file somebody submits to us, right, mm-hmm. is going to be read, interpreted, and then utilized is extremely complex and could cause a lot of bugs. And that's not Mm. bugs on our part, but bugs on the font. Like sometimes the coder created this thing and they did some weird stuff or they never cleaned out their code or, you know, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. never refactored it, as they call it. It could just cause a lot of problems. And the users may come after us and say, hey, your program broke my thing or it had an ugly thing or all of a sudden I got all these negative reviews because this thing happened. And it's like, well, we dug into the code of that font and that was a bad font. Like that was wow. not, you know, and so it causes all of these. So it's one of those things where we could do it. And I, we're going to try. We're really going to try because I would like to, too. Right. And there are also mm-hmm. some authors that have paid some good money to buy a font that they really want to use. But we're going to have to be super careful. Now, one of the things that we will do that I think will make it very good for authors or definitely a much better situation is we're going to be including every Google font inside of Atticus. Because oh, we can, Google we, fonts are, are really good and they're used a lot. Yeah, I, I could say it this way. Just about every font that's out there, you could find an equivalent Google font version. And the good thing about the Google fonts is that they're completely open and free. So there's no real copyright issue that, that at least far as our lawyers have found on any of them. And we can make sure that it's got what's called Unicode. Uh, mm-hmm. And Unicode is making it that you could do Chinese characters. You could do like uh, all the different fonts out there. Like if you, for example, this is crazy, but somebody wrote like a math equation in the book and, you know, the certain symbols that they popped in, like the actual, not just an the X, like the letter, but yeah, or the sigmas, exactly. Or yeah, the Greek know, letters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? That broke it <laughs> because the font <laughs> they had didn't have it. So again, it's, it's, we'll be able to install the Unicode. So we won't run into those issues. I think that the Google font system where you could choose from all of those without having to upload something new, that also means my programmers can pre preventative, you know, do like preventative programming to check all of them and make sure. I think that will end up being the best of both worlds. So authors will have more fonts to choose, a lot of fonts to choose from and should be able to find the kind of font they're looking for without the possibility of it breaking things or causing some super weird situation. Right. Yeah. In Judo, you can embed whatever font you want. Yes. And And, And it can cause problems. So long, like, again, it comes down to that. Make sure you have the right font. Make sure it's a good code, that it wasn't messed up. And... Definitely, definitely, definitely check your book after the fact to make sure that there wasn't some weird symbol, like the person yeah. put a summation uh, or, you know, an integral in there and that yeah. font didn't have anything. Your UI, the, the face of your program said, yeah, sure, there it is. And then your equation is destroyed. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, that's that's okay, Prue, you, a- you go ahead and ask your questions now that I can well, Uh, I want just real basic stuff. What's Atticus cost? Atticus is a one-time cost of one forty-seven. Okay, that's cheap. Yeah, it's it's, really cheap. It's It's cheaper than Vellum. Yep, for the same capabilities, uh, Vellum costs two hundred and forty-nine ninety-nine, and we're just one forty-seven. So that's over a hundred dollars cheaper, and again, works on all computers. You know, and that includes every one of those updates, new features, upgrades, et cetera. Um, I personally don't like paying for a software, you know, at when they improve it, like, oh, you need to pay us again to update to version 2.0. I'm like, no. So That's that gives awesome. you all future and updates and upgrades. How long has Atticus been been available? Well, we did a secret launch almost a year ago. And that was I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you that was a uh, face plant. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to hold back on that. That, that one will go in the, uh, uh, the history books for Dave Chesson on learning experiences. We, so a couple of lessons learned. Number one, 
if you send out, and I know this sounds crazy, especially since I've been in book marketing for years, but if you send out an email and tell people, hey, please keep this to yourself. This is a secret launch. You know, if you want to try this, this is it. We even gave like a special pricing because we were like, we would look, because what we were looking for was we were looking for a whole bunch of authors. Uh, to really stress test the system and to find all those crazy things that we didn't think of, like writing an equation. like Or the other one too is we once had somebody who's writing a book about a programmer and the programmer wrote code well, that <laughs> broke our system because it was like oh, reading God. the code like it was code. Like, oh, just no. stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I never would have thought about that. So we launched like, so anyways, we're hoping we get a whole bunch of authors to really play with it, you know, and stress test, you know, and all that jazz. And it went nuts. Uh, apparently, either people didn't read the part of "please keep it to yourself." Let's just keep this low. Like people were posting it, and oh no, and a lot of people didn't know that that was the situation. So it was like, Whoa. so, uh, so we've had a lot of time to find all those really fun, <laughs> interesting cases, and even still to this day, we'll find like some some odd ones. And I will say this: uh, one of the things that I absolutely believe in with software is you make sure you always have the best support team. So we have phenomenal support members that, you know, speak English as a primary language, uh, live here, you know, live in the United States, but also we have them in Europe as well. So that time zone is covered. And every one of them is authors that that write lots of books. So they understand where we're coming from and phenomenal, phenomenal patients. So I will say that you run into anything, contact them. I'm pretty sure you'll be pretty impressed with, with how they respond and how they'll be there all the way through to the end. I have to say, I have contacted your support people because I've been using Atticus now for about a month. And I tried to, first of all, I had Grammarly and it does not play nicely with Grammarly. Yeah, I can talk about Grammarly in a second. Let me tell you about those. (laughs) Okay. And so I I got rid of Grammarly and I got ProWritingAid. And still, if I have a typo in my writing, it doesn't correct it. It will tell okay. me, it'll underline it and say that it's wrong. Okay. And and I will click on the, the correct spelling and it'll pop into the correct spelling and then it'll revert back oh, to the way I put it before. And I was like, okay, this has got to be a problem with the spell checker or with, with ProWriting Aid or with Grammarly or something. And so I contacted support and I said, yo, what's am I doing something wrong here? And I told them what was happening and they're like, yeah, no, you're not doing anything wrong. This is something wrong with the program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um, So as crazy was with Grammarly, the way that Grammarly was built, it sort of like its programming is there to like grab everything possible. Okay. It analyzes all things. It doesn't kind of like break things up into points. And the reason why this is hard is that so, for example, if you try to use Grammarly on a super large document, you know, like say 100 pages or whatever, it'll probably crash it. You might notice that your computer gets slower or things are lagging. That's because Grammarly is like crunching everything all at once. And so there's a couple of other problems. Like we tried to reach out to Grammarly to be like, hey, can we work with you guys? You know, we'll send like, let our programmers talk to your pro. Hey, have my people call your people, you know, and work <laughs> together on this and see if we can get it. And our programmers took one look at the code and they're like, this is a dumpster fire. They're like, no, like, and, and Grammarly was kind of a little, they were kind of like, 
no thank you you know like uh, you know a little, little nose in the air who uh, are you like you know i'm like uh, can we work together like it'd be cool no okay but then my programs were also like please don't make us work, <laughs> work on that that's wow. uh, so i mean it was it's it explains why like i've had problems in the past the grammarly of just things crashing or things <laughs> slowing down or i'm also one of those people that has like 50 tabs open at once. And, you know, <laughs> that also causes problems as well. So I switched over to PWA, a uh, pro writing aid uh, myself personally, and have had no much better results in terms of things not crashing. And what's awesome too, is, is the people behind PWA are incredible. We contact them. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And we're like, sweet. And their programmers <laughs> took a look at some of the things, made some changes on their code to kind of help with it. They then said, they, they said they're, they got hung up on a couple of things and they're like, I don't know what to do there. And then our programmers jumped in, like, got it, took the torch, ran with it, and then uh, got it working. There's still some things I think we need to work out between the two. We also have a new update coming up soon that I think will also clear on that. There's a couple, now I don't want to get in too technical, but we, it's sort of like, imagine you built a house on a foundation, right? You got this concrete foundation and it was cool. It's great. But then you built another, a third floor on the same foundation. You're like, oh, you know what? We might need to beef up the foundation. We're kind of working on that component because we have more floors that, that we want to add to it. So we're in preparation for that. And I think that will really help with that component. Great. That's outstanding. How do you market Atticus? Well, honestly, a lot of it's just been kind of word of mouth. I mean, mm -hmm. running Kindlepreneur, we do talk about it in articles about formatting books. There's that. But I don't do advertise. I, I did just start doing Google ads, I guess. Yep. I've been doing a little bit of that. But otherwise, though. I've been helping with the word of mouth for what it's worth. I, I, <laughs> I wrote a blog post on it. <laughs> and, I, and I put up a, a YouTube video on how to format with Atkins. Yes. And, I, you know, I think the other thing, too, is, is that for years there have been PC users who have just been pulling out their hair because they didn't have an option. Vellum only works on Mac. And then some people were even going as far as buying a Macintosh just so they could use Vellum God. or paying for this a Mac and cloud subscription just so they right. could then use it on their PC. But even that was problematic. And that, that alone just kind of goes to show, you know, how much of a need there was in the market. And that when we launched it, it was like, like, oh, finally, there's a PC, there's an answer for us PC users. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's the way I have felt for so many years because I'm a PC user and people were like, vellum this and vellum that and vellum the other thing. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, not for me. Thanks. Like half of the author community was just kind of like, you know, the third wheel stuck outside, you know, just hearing about Vellum and which Vellum is a great program. They did a lot of awesome stuff. I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I can't wait that we're coming out with that, that they haven't touched. Like one of the big things that I'm, I'm really excited about is we're really going to do a lot with nonfiction because nonfiction is one of those where most people have just kind of given the Heisman, you know, they're, they're, none of the programs have really focused on. So this goes with endnotes and footnotes with, you know, real customization capabilities. Also to one of the things that nonfiction writers love is creating callout boxes. This is where yes. you can create a box around text that really highlights it. Like if you want to quote, say you're talking about Michael Jordan, you know, and there's a quote, you can make a quote box that looks really cool for your book. You know, and there's a bunch of things that just 
have never been made for the nonfiction writers. And in, to get those, you have to, you know, go with InDesign or things like that to, to design it. And so that's one of those areas where we're going to be focusing on as well. And there's a couple of other components that, that, that we've got. And also too, if anybody ever wants to see what we're working on and where we're going, you can just go to atticus.io forward slash roadmap. And we make public yeah. the things that we're currently working on and what's coming up next. Great. Put it in the show notes, atticus.io slash roadmap. That's correct. Yeah. Good plan. Tell me, let me ask you a, a, off the subject. I mean, it's not, why did you call it Atticus? Is it for Atticus Finch? <laughs> Actually, there's a, that's a great story. <laughs> All right. So there's two parts to this. First off, the logo is of a dog, right? And it's, it's an a, adorable dog. Yeah. It's a, it's a Boston Terrier. I have for years wanted to get a dog and my wife has always given the Heisman for it. Right. She's like, no, no, I'm going to get a dog. Well, now that it's a logo, that's a <laughs> I can make it a business expense and we'll just do some social media of the dog with glasses and reading a book or something. And so, so we're working on it. It Who's going to walk the dog? The kids. She's lucky you didn't design. That is funny. You didn't ask for a newfie or a, you know, Bernie's mountain dog or something really huge. You've been very reasonable, I think. See, I agree. And And that is why one has children to walk a dog. That's right. (laughs) And pick the drop-ins. But so, all right. So there is that. As for the name though, it was funny. I was at Nink and I was going over like all the names. I was talking to Tadra, um, who's now the president of Nink. But back in the day, it was like talking about all these names. It was book this, that. And she stops. She goes, Dave, please don't create another company with a book name in it. Like, you know, no knock on any of these companies, but like book brush, book bub, book baby book, you know, everybody's got a book in the name. And she was like, it's just done. I was like, you know what? That's a good point, Taj. I'm going to keep that in mind. So that redirected me. So then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? What about focusing on literary characters? Right. Um, And so you're right. Atticus Finch was the first one that I thought of. I had others. I thought about like Nautilus, you know, from uh, (laughs) 10,000 Leagues. I'm also a learner. And the first U.S. submarine was called Nautilus. But the key, though, is you got to find a name where you can get the domain. Okay. Uh-huh. So like, so I couldn't get nautilus.com or nautilus.io, which .io is a new kind of like ending that usually mm-hmm. denotes software. So I was like, so that's why I was like, oh, it's okay. gotta be one or the other. So then I found Atticus. Sure enough, there was a .io, but I had to buy it from somebody, but it was somewhat affordable. But here's the real reason why I ended up going with it. Not only do I love Atticus Finch, right? And that's totally awesome. However, though, when I started looking oh. into the name of Atticus in history, the one of the first ever legit formatters and publishers was in the Roman Empire, and his name was Titus Atticus. And he oh. was the one that saved all of Cicero's letters, right? So, he, And he saved, I think it was Socrates as well. So like, if it hadn't been for him, we would never have had any of his writings. Um, wow. And I was like... That is awesome. Yep. And then on top of that, every Atticus I found throughout like history was either a poet, a philosopher or a writer. Like literally it was like, just type in like Atticus and go through all the Wikipedias out there. And they're just all that. And even now today, there's some famous poet called Atticus. It's like his pen name, you know, and he's like, just crushed it on social media. And then some, I'm just like, 
okay, I feel like this name is it's it's it. It's just screaming. This is it, Dave. So we went with that. So technically, it's really named after Titus Atticus. <laughs> love it. Great. That is <laughs> love great. It. I love it. That's an excellent story. And I, not like after what, the dog you're gonna get. If if you look at a lot of the logos I do, there's a lot of inside stories. Like for example, the Kindlepreneur <laughs> logo is for some of those people that have seen it and you can kind of see it behind, we have a video recording in this interview, but uh, it looks like a crown, right? Well, mm-hmm. there's three symbols inside of that crown. Okay. The first is, is that you'll notice at the top of the crown, it looks like a pin because you know, it's Kindlepreneur, right? You know, it's so writing. The mm-hmm. other thing is that if you take that line at the bottom of the crown and you make it vertical, it becomes a trident. And that trident, I was in the Navy for all, and I actually wrote my first book out on a South Korean warship. I was actually stationed on a South Korean warship and wrote my first book. So I literally can say you can write anywhere. So there was the trident. But then the third part is I'm a big old Star Wars nerd. And (laughs) if that doesn't look like the rebel symbol in the hole, I don't know what it is. So I got through my little nerdiness pack right in there. (laughs) I'm ashamed to say I have never looked at that. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah. done it's definitely worth a look That's yeah I, I do that a lot my poor son he's he's got quite the name as well oh really uh, all right well, confess what is it little inside story so my full name this might be a shock but is actually roy david chesson okay and uh roy is is also fr- uh french wa to be exact for king so it's king david right. my son's name is kian solomon chesson <laughs> So it's King David, King Solomon, right? But I went a step further. Remember how I said I was a really big Star Wars fan? Well, that whole King Solomon thing was just a cover to allow me to have a son whose middle name is Solomon. Oh, no. 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 Does your wife know? Is she aware? It was a week after uh, when the ink had dried on his birth certificate. I was like, (laughs) just to let you know, I I was able to get that that Star Wars name. Because I was actually, I was trying to get his middle name to be Han. And the big, big reason was he was born in Korea. And Han is crazily enough, actually somewhat popular name for Koreans there. I was like, we should name him Han. She's like, I know what you're doing there. I was like, okay. <laughs> King Solomon, it is. <laughs> so I didn't get home, but I got solo. You are a delightful nerd. You're a tremendous nerd. That's very it's, funny. It's true. I, I keep. I remind my wife that she loves a nerd. <laughs> He's a nerd a lucky lover. Thing. <laughs> um, I want to ask uh, just a couple more questions that are. Um, nor near as much fun as logos and names have juto or vellum noticed you have you have you got anybody casting you shade that like uh, you're going to take over the world man i don't know about judo but i do know that vellum has definitely increased a lot of its updates and new features you know for example we came out with the full bleed images first and then immediately that came out instead of it being next year as was being you know which is great for authors, honestly, because the Vellum users like, you know, hey, if you've got Vellum, you're loving that, use it, you know, and good for you. You're going to get more benefit out of there being competition. I think Vellum's going to be a lot less likely to say no to people, you know, about features and instead being like, oh, they got it. <laughs> we better get it out there, you know. So I think, I, you know, competition breeds, you know, ingenuity and innovation. No and 
authors yeah. are going to benefit. And besides, we've been yeah. in an industry where things take forever. I mean, look at Scrivener. What was it? Four years ago, they or five years ago, maybe they came out with 3.0 for Mac. And then it was like, and they said, later this year, we'll come out with 3.0 for PC. Four years later, they finally came out with a PC update to 3.0. Wow. wow. I'm hoping that maybe they get a little bit more quick. Maybe they try to find some ways to make it more simplified. Uh, You're you know, lighting the fire under people. Hopefully. You you are I fearless. Bet, I bet. I mean, I know a lot of people who use Scrivener to format their books because you can export as an EPUB in Scrivener. You can. And but they don't make it easy. They don't make it easy. <laughs> and you can't make it look nice. No, it's what you get is basically a basic book that will open up and you have no idea. Like you have to, you have to do these things, then you have to export it. Then you kind of got to look at it, but you're not going to make it, you know, it's going to be blase. It it, it might work, but it'll be blase. There's even, it's funny as I always tell people too, the funny thing about Scrivener, not knocking on them. It's just a part of the reason why I was like, all right, I want to, I want to build Atticus. Is that like Scrivener is only like, 40 some odd dollars, right? For the software. Mm -hmm. There is a teacher out there who sells a $300 course on how to use a 40 some odd dollar software. (laughs) That dude makes over a million dollars a year in just selling that course. Yeah. Like it only goes to show they didn't make it easy to use when people are willing to pay, what is that? Six times the cost of the software in order to learn how to use it. You know, and so that's one of the big things that I've I've been with design. I have two statements with my programming team. I call it the click click and the brain cell and the brain calories. Okay. Click click. Maybe one day I'll get creative on the names, but I just kind of like how dumb they sound. <laughs> click click. Hey, what's a click click factor on that? Click click is never put anything important behind more than two clicks. So if I have to click something Mm -hmm. more than twice, you better explain to me why. Because I believe that as users, we have to start to memorize things if things are going to be behind more than two clicks, right? Hmm. So so I have the click-click factor. The second one is what I call brain calories, okay? And what it is is that sometimes people will design something and they'll be like, look, it's easy. And I'm like, well, actually, I kind of had to stop and think about it for a second, which means I, I burned some brain calories. So, I mean, I get it that I could get there, but can't we make it easier so my brain doesn't have to burn the calories? Uh, a case in point, my designers kept wanting to put all these like icons, you know, icons of this and this and this. And I was like, well, it'll look cleaner and more beautiful. I'm like, yeah. Okay. So what's that icon? You know, and of course this icon was, was of a, you know, almost like a human, right? So it's, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, that's your profile. Okay. I get that. So what happens when we have character cards? What's the icon going to be then? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's think about that. Second off, I was like, so maybe we should make the gear for settings. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Oh, all right, that makes sense. What about this one? And it was like a square with a, what looked like a pencil going through it. And they were like, oh, well, that is for the writing uh, section. Oh, okay. And it's, you can see we could start moving towards these. But every time I look at something, it could be this or it could be that. You know, same thing with the world symbol. Same thing with the spyglass symbol. Like some of these, we can kind of immediately know what it is. But some of them was like, they would tell me what it is. And then I would be like, oh, okay, I get it. But now I got to memorize that. See what I'm saying? And so it's right. it's yeah. sometimes like you want to create aesthetics or you want to create beauty. But you got to remember, I think it's just better when people... Can understand it. So on some of the places we didn't put 
icons everywhere to make it crazy. But on the places where we did to do, decide to do icons, we made it that if you hover over the icon, it will actually say the name, right? Ah. And so these are like those little brain calorie things where I'm like, don't make people think harder or think more. Find ways to make it intuitive and easy as possible. So click, click and brain calories. Would you please take over the world? <laughs> Hurry up. Hurry up. You haven't done enough. I need you. I need you in charge. Um, if I've written the book in Scrivener, can I import it to Atticus and continue there and make my edits there and do the collaboration and everything? Yes, you can. You can export via Word document and then upload into Atticus that way. We were working on the way to directly import Scrivener file into Atticus, but that is extremely complicated because there's a lot of stuff we have to strip out because those Scriv files are pretty intensive. And we found that there's too many times where we may scrub things that aren't. And so what we've just decided to do was can that and just make it that if you export it via Word document and then upload it as a Word document, you should be good to go. You're awesome. You're awesome. I have a two-page document that I got from Meredith Bond about how to clean up things from Scrivener. So thank you very yeah. much. Um, I associate you so closely with Amazon. You're my you're my guide to the great opacity that is Amazon. I'm assuming that Atticus will also provide me with the versions that will play nicely with Apple and with Kobo and with all the other platforms. All of them. Yep. Excellent. And hopefully soon, maybe you'll have something like the conditional formatting in Judo, where you can export different versions for different retailers. So what we're, so interesting enough. I don't even understand the question. (laughs) Sorry. Interesting enough. We, Jenna, who's the product manager for Rocket, or, or excuse me, Atticus, believes that both Judo and Vellum are doing it incorrectly and so well it's sort of like the way that they allow like for example for them like when you go to export right you can say hey i want this to be the amazon version and i want this to be the uh barnes and noble and things like that there's a lot more that can be done if you're doing that what generally what vellum is doing is is making the link if you have a link be a you know a link that works with that store because like for example If you have an iTunes link in your book, Amazon's going to reject it because yes. they're like, darn you for putting our competitors in there. Right. You know? Not only right. that, but if you have an Amazon link, it won't work on your iPhone or your iPad or any nope. Apple device. I have right. a friend who wrote a story about Amazon's and she had a terrible problem because Apple was like, absolutely not. You can't <laughs> mention that word on our platforms. Yep. So, so, but there's, so that's the big one. And that's the one part that Vellum does, but we believe that there's an easier way. It's just creating an internal linking system that will automatically generate these sort of systems is a bit of a legwork, but we are working on that. We want to actually come out with the full solution instead of like the partial, where it's just focusing on one thing. There's actually other things. Now I'll tell you this though. I, I think we almost threw a celebration party just the other week when Amazon announced that they're no longer accepting Moby. Yes. Yes. And it's so a year ago, Amazon said, Hey, you can't, or you don't, if you submit a Moby file to us for publishing your book, we won't accept it. Right. Right. Uh, Instead, we want you to do EPUB files, which 
for the longest time was like seriously amazon you're the only one doing moby there's a reason nobody else does it what do you th-? and then finally amazon admitted it like which for amazon is like i could count on one hand out of all of its years how many times i did that so but but the thing was was that they they would do this where you you still needed a moby file because if you wanted to send a copy of your book to somebody to open up on their kindle the best way was through a moby file it was it was almost you couldn't even you can't open an epub on a kindle or you couldn't so so we were we were actually trying like we were gearing up all of our team to focus on exporting a moby file now here's the kicker generating a moby file uh, even vellum admits this publicly is they don't actually generate a moby file what they do is they use Amazon's Kindle previewer engine inside of it. And they just kind of like take your file, put it through it and crunch it out and says, here's a mobile file, Mobi file. So they've always said that, hey, we'll continue making Mobi files so long as Amazon continues to actually support their Kindle previewer system, you know, the engine inside of it, which, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago, Vellum had like a couple of months where they couldn't do Mobi files because Amazon had or Catalina update or something on Mac could cause problems, right? So we were like, all right, all right, you know, we're going to figure this out. And instead of being dependent on Amazon, let's go create our own so that we're not beholden to them, which kind of sucks. So we're about, we were immediately about to do this just so authors could have the ability to email or send a copy to certain users. And then like last week or two weeks ago or so, Amazon announced, hey, by the way, in a couple of months, we're no longer going to allow you to send a Mobi file to Kindle. And instead, we're going to give you ways to send your EPUB to Kindles. And I was like, yes, we don't have to (laughs) use our resources to develop this anymore. On to other things. So we were all (laughs) celebrating because that was going to be a bear. Yeah. Oh my God. God. That's very entertaining. Meredith, I've turned off my timer. We just yeah. we just kept going. So obviously we're taking up too much of Dave's time, but you had a reader who wrote in a question, didn't you? Yes, or we a have listener, a, a listener. listener a yes, sorry. We have a listener who heard that Dave was going to be on and she had a question about keywords, which okay. Dave knows something about. A little a little something. Just, just, just a, a little, little something. <laughs> okay, she says I'm a little confused about how Amazon searches when you use a phrase instead of a single keyword. Will it search on each word of the phrase or only find the keyword phrase if the search matches it exactly? Meaning, should we avoid repeating a word in a phrase to maximize the keyword? So, for example, is pagan prophecies and ancient book better than ancient prophecies and ancient book? as keyword phrases. So when I go to fill out my seven Kindle keyword boxes, right? Amazon says, please don't, you know, try not to use words over and over again, you know, and and so they they recommend you don't do it. Honestly, when I'm coming up with my keyword phrases, if it works, it works and it goes in the box. Like, so I don't, I don't all of a sudden say, oh no, I said that word a couple of times, you know, in my boxes and I should remove it. Actually, in truth, if you naturally thought that that word should go into that phrase, then don't, don't, you know, monsterize that phrase. Yeah, don't, don't, don't cut it out there. Uh, Let it be a part of it. But if, for example, I write Regency Romance. And so if my, if I fill one box with 18th century London, England, would that be mm -hmm. three keywords or what? 
Well, if you feel, so the way that we did an experiment and there's an article I highly recommend checking out. And if you just type into Google, like seven Kindle keywords, we did an experiment to try to figure out what would actually work. And what we found was that when you put a words or phrase, you know, a phrase into one of those boxes, Amazon automatically looks at all the different combinations of those words. So, and then you'll index, which means you'll show up for that keyword phrase. Okay. For all the different combinations. So say, for example, I put in there Dragon Mage War Epic Fantasy. Okay. I put those five words in there. And by the way, you have a max of 50 characters in each box. So if those words count up to 50 characters, then I'm good. Okay. So we'll just say that. Well, (laughs) I will show up for Dragon Mage, Epic Fantasy Dragon, Dragon Epic Fantasy, like all the different combinations of them. Okay. Because it's like, it's sort of like a broad match, they call it in the algorithm. I'll also show up for a pluralization of it. So if I said dragon mm-hmm. and it's dragon's fantasy or epic, you know, whatever, that would be a good. So if somebody searches for dragons, it'll pull up your book. It will show it'll it catch will index book. for it. Right. Right. Now there's two key things to keywords. Uh, no pun intended on a key. <laughs> there's two things to it. First off is indexing. Second off is ranking. So you can do those things and you will index, which means you'll show up somewhere. Okay. For that keyword phrase, but ranking means you'll, you either show up on the first page of Amazon, the second page, third page, fourth page, et cetera. Okay. And in that article, uh, one of the things that we found was that exact like a phrases an exact phrase will do much better than just a whole bunch of words. Because before we did this experiment, a lot of people said, just put as many words as you can in all seven of the boxes. And yeah, we did find that that will make you show up more on Amazon, but you won't rank well for any of those, which, and we, you know, ranking well for a keyword is, is almost more important than more to an extent. So my recommendation to authors in that particular article is that do your keyword research. Okay. Like using rocket to find the right phrases, right? Well, or any, but do your keyword research, find the phrases you absolutely believe are good. And then fill the, the first three or four boxes with just those phrases, nothing else. Don't try to fit anything else in there. Okay. Get your three or four boxes that are absolutely it. Then for the other three or four, because you know, it's seven. So if you chose three, then it's four. If you chose four, it's then it's three. The rest of the boxes, Fill in as many of the other words, the broad words, the phrases, the things that helps Amazon to understand what kind of book. And we believe that that is the best one to punch. Okay. Hmm. So you designate three or four boxes specifically to a phrase you absolutely love. And then for the rest of them, you put in all your genre specific terms or any of the other phrases that didn't make it or words that didn't make it into those first three or four, shove them in there. And you will, you give Amazon more information about what kind of book you are you help to rank better for the terms you care about and you'll show up more. And I think that's honestly the best of all three worlds. And Publisher Rocket, if you you don't want to promote it, I will. Publisher Rocket is astonishingly good at helping to find those keywords, which is a product of Kindlepreneur. Yeah, that's that again. Dave, that was that was my Dave. my creation because I was like I was done using Excel sheets and and all that jazz. I was like, thank let's you. make this easier. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. I thank you personally. We're we're so over the time. We told Dave we could get him in and out in half an hour, and that's a stone lie. So you have other things to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for revolutionizing. Thank you so much, Dave. Absolutely, guys. <laughs> and again, thank you for having me.
delighted. Um, Meredith, next week, you and I are talking with uh, Michael Rahm on how to find time to write in a busy schedule. Absolutely. Very valuable. Awesome. So, Michael, yep. I said hi. <laughs> okay, we'll do. You got it. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week, Meredith. Okay, thanks, Prue. Thanks, Dave. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.